this is incredible. Uh, how can I be part of D-Rats? I gotta be a part of the team. I've, I've earned my dues. I think we have a position for you. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. We do have a job and a good position for you. How would you like to be a rescued crew member? Are you, now, you're not you're not kidding with me because if you're if no. you're if this is a joke, then I'm gonna be very sad. This is not a joke. No, we're very serious about it. Barbara and I have been counseling. Uh, I get to be a rescued guy. That's you perfect. Bet. So so what do I need? What do I need if I'm well, gonna be rescued? Not too much, just an, maybe an overnight bag and a night bag. And a sandwich. A couple sandwich yeah, couple maybe because yeah. maybe know, a couple. It depends how hungry you are. Yeah, and it okay. won't be long. Okay, that's good. But I but I you know I'm strong. I can handle it. If it's long, I can handle it, right? I, I've seen you before in action, and I'm sure you can do it. All right, I'm going to go get my stuff. Thanks, guys. This oh, is great. We'll be here. Awesome. Oh, you bet. Hey, welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. That's gonna leave a mark. Welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Back and better than ever. In our studio voices. <laughs> and this is part two of the Extreme Analog Show. And if you want to see part one of the Extreme Analogs, go to our website, download it. It's a very cool show. Question though, beginning of the show, you were part of the crew rescue vehicle for yes. the space exploration vehicle at Desert Rats. Absolutely. We never heard the results of that of that field test that you were part of because you never made it back with us on the trip. I did participate in this rescue mission. I was in this uh, vehicle for what felt like six months. But they say that when you do science, that's what happens. You sort of lose track of time. <laughs> We were, we were involved in watching Lucian see if he could actually get chariot over the rock uh, canyon, which he did, finally. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tough roll, and I was afraid for a second that he wasn't going to make it, but he did. Yeah. But I tell you what, the focus of the show is another analog field test called NEMO. Let's focus in on NEMO. What's NEMO all about? Uh, well, NEMO, obviously named after Captain NEMO from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but it also stands for NASA's Extreme Environment Mission Operations. And it takes place, as you know, Chris, down in Key Largo. Actually underwater, doesn't it? Correct. It's uh, it's almost entirely underwater. And in fact, you had a chance to go down there to, mm -hmm. to uh, do we some did. interviews. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so let's... Yeah, take a look at the video. Yeah, just take yeah. a look at the video. Interestingly, there is a lot of places on Earth that you go that are isolated. You can go and lock yourself in a room for a long time and be isolated. But the difference is that here, it's isolated and extreme, meaning that... Once we are in the habitat, once we've stayed there for 24 hours and we become an aquanaut, that's because our tissues have become saturated with nitrogen. So we're a saturated diver. What that means is we can't come to the surface. Even if we wanted to come to the surface, we have to go through a 15-hour decompression profile. So just like in space, in space station, where we would have to do a 15-hour re-entry in an emergency, We've got to do a 15-hour decompression cycle. And see, and that's good not only for the astronauts, it's um, for all the staff that's around them. they got to be prepared for that. they got to think through that and understand that so they'll be ready for an event should one happen. What a neat thing it was for NASA to find the facility because this government agency, NOAA, 
is a sister agency to NASA and they have to have similar thought processes and procedures for emergency conditions just like our astronauts. And so what's been the biggest challenge uh, doing these kind of exercises underwater, especially since it's not like the MBL where you can just go home afterwards? Uh, you know, it's not been too bad. The, the, from this standpoint, we come inside and, and uh, we have a fairly comfortable environment here. It, it's small, but it's you know, it's dense living, but it's comfortable. Uh, we have everything we need from a small kitchen to a bunk room to a small shower. Pretty amazing uh, that, that we can uh, live down here and, and do what we're doing. Uh, it's very unique. Most of our training actually is um, you know, in classrooms, in simulators, talking to instructors. This is the closest I've experienced to actual space flight. There's no question, even though I look out the window, I don't see the Earth, and we're not in zero G. Still, it's a unique enough environment and extreme enough because we are you know, pressurized right now. We cannot come up without decompressing, without risk to our lives. We're truly isolated. All those things have an impact on the human being, both uh, psychologically and physically. To where we just want to see how much that affects our ability to operate efficiently and, and work together well. How many uh, EVAs are you probably going to perform during your uh, the NEMO mission on average? We're each uh, hopefully going to get 11, uh, about one a day. Each one of the uh, EVAs will last about two hours, two and a half hours, and so we hope we get them all done. They're a, a lot of work, just like a real spacewalk, but they're a lot of fun also. The environment is so unique, it's just uh, everything is fascinating. And they have a full-size lander mock-up underwater? A full-size lander mock-up. Wow. And it looks just like the view graphs, and, and it was a great effort by the whole team here to build that and, and get it installed on the seafloor. And we actually had a lot of foresight. We built it with a central pedestal that's very structurally sound, like 37 to 1 safety factor. And then we used this stuff called speed rail to do a facade of the lander that's geometrically proportional so that all the obstructions and the ladder angles and all that are realistic based on today's design. But we recognize that the flexible path architecture could change, this whole lander config could change, and so we're adaptable down here where we can change the facade to match any evolving lander that comes up, whether it be a, a Neos lander, Mars lander, Phoebos lander, what have you. The first thing that we're going to have to do when we deliver a rover to a surface is get it off the lander that it was delivered on. And the ways in which we can, can do that vary from a sophisticated, highly automated kind of robotic offloading system. Um, or on the other extreme, we can do something that's a lot more manual but simpler, uh, such as using a crane or, or davit, like the one that we have here at Nemo. By building a full-scale mock-up of both a lander and a rover, and using this crane, we're understanding what the design implications are, both for the rover itself, for the offloading system, and the lander and the, the EVA interfaces, the ladders and the handholds and the tethers and fall restraints and so on, that would be required to offload was a pretty uh, significantly sized payload from a, a pretty high lander. Um, the ability to drive it, for example, wasn't important for this mission, so, so we're not going to be doing that. Uh, however, at Desert Ranch later this year, uh, you'll see two of these prototype rovers, um, high-fidelity rovers, driving around the desert uh, north of Flagstaff in Arizona. Well, see, I look forward to that because you don't have to worry about driving on the wrong side of the road, even if you're from Scotland. I mean, you're pretty much on, the, on a different surface. You're, it's, oh, it's wide open. 
That's right, and, uh, and for the record, we drive on the correct side of the road. <laughs> you know, the cool thing about that video is that, you know, Thomas Marshburn saying that living in Aquarius down there was the closest to actually being on station. Yeah, and, and I was really pleased that the interview went as well as it did because I kept asking you for questions and I got nothing. So I had to, Franklin, you can appreciate this. I had to go all on my own down there and, and sort of run the show. So uh, I don't know what Chris was doing. Chris, I know you like to decompress after your aromatherapy sessions. Uh, this is a little bit more excessive than I had in mind, but buddy, you're going to have to give me some questions because uh, I got to go interview some astronauts. Well, Chris and I were here. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah. that's interesting. Well, that yeah. may explain why the environment was so extreme for me <laughs> down there, uh, not having the support of you guys. But but no, seriously, it was fascinating to get all, uh, really the whole sense of how everybody operated just like a, an ISS mission. I mean, you had the guys on the surface in the control room talking to the astronauts. Everything was scheduled out just like life on station. Just from an organizational standpoint, you see that happening all the time. And you can actually see the difference between the analog tests at Desert Rats and down at Nemo, where the astronauts, when they uh, left the uh, LER, they were walking out in the elements and they didn't have to decompress. They didn't have to go through the stages that they did on Nemo to survive. Right. So that, that that real extreme environment uh, really applies here. Yeah, it's more extreme because mm -hmm. once, you, once you're in the Aquarius, you're not leaving anytime soon. No. Yeah, that, what a stunning, you know, that's kind of an interesting aspect to the whole thing is is you are limited. And they, they now they do, just so you know, for safety, they do have two NOAA team members on, on the Aquarius with them. And they're there to monitor. They're doing their own things too, but they're really making right. sure everything stays safe. In the event that they had, had to evacuate somebody, they could. Now, how was uh, living uh, in the space exploration vehicle when you were part of the recovery team at Desert Rats uh, different than Aquarius? Was it basically the same size, larger? Well, as you know, I didn't go down into the Aquarius, but from everything that we saw, it's not a whole lot bigger. Uh, the structure is a lot bigger. I mean, they had a, actually uh, an LER next to the Aquarius, uh, so the physical structure is much bigger. The The confines inside are, n are not much bigger. But they, like I said, they do have six people in there. It's kind of similar to a mock-up of the uh, ISS. Yeah, a mock-up of a, like a college dorm is okay. about what, it, what about what kind of space they have. NASA, you know, conducts these analog field tests in different types of extreme environments. You know, they're they're looking for a set of objectives at Black Point Lava Flow. They have a set of objectives at, uh, at Nemo, mm -hmm. at Pavilion Lake, you know, the Devon Island. So, yeah, and they all help everything come together and work. Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, maybe you can teach Frank and I more about Nemo. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. You're watching NASA Edge, an inside and outside look at all things NASA. It turns out for the co-hosts, they actually have a special mixture for diving. So let's try it out. Wow, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. A little cool and uh, a little minty. Um, does my voice sound funny to you? Sounds a little funny. Is that me? Maybe it's me. <laughs> Uh, aren't you ha happy my voice has totally recovered from that? You know, I, I thought, <laughs> how old are you? 
<laughs> you know? Well, it turns out, and this is very important. I mean, you know, he just got his driver's license. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that wasn't the right tank, and no, I, you know, you don't breathe helium. It's it's not not good for you health wise. So did you get certified? Uh, actually, uh, no. See what happened uh, was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Did you, you dive at all? No, and what, but what you have to understand about this is very important because right. they have rigid, rigid guidelines for diving down there. Right. And even though I am officially certified, the problem is the conditions down there were so rough. I mean, the, the, there were waves, five to eight foot waves. And uh, as, as Bill Todd said, I approached him. I said, Bill, are we going to go out? And he said, he said, well, we probably could go, but you know, you got to really feel comfortable about it. And I said, would you go? And he goes, I wouldn't go out. <laughs> and, so, and, and so I knew that we would not be going out. So obviously the, the whole Nemo team, he had a lot of support down there during the mission. That That's the thing. I mean, it's it's one thing to look at the astronauts down there in the Aquarius, but it's not just those guys in the Aquarius. It's the entire team topside. It's everybody that's checking, you know, health issues, mission, how they're staying on schedule. There's people analyzing software, all these different things. So we can take a look at the video. Okay. Okay. Let's check it out. It's the world's only underwater habitat right now and has been for the last 20 years. So there is no habitat store. So <laughs> we, 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 you know. Habitat say, Depot. We should try that, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't say we make it up, but I mean, we have to come up with ways to do things, you know, just off the cuff all the time. So we have a, a very smart crew that's really good at troubleshooting, figuring out what we need to do. And they're really good at altering existing equipment that's on the market to make it suitable for what we need. And maintenance is constant. You know, as I always tell people, it's a it's a piece of metal with electricity going to it in salt water. It's just recipe for disaster. Exactly. There's an aluminum structure that we put on the crew's back. And we have them perform a lot of tasks like walking, shoveling, climbing ladders, the kinds of things they would do on another planet to either set up a habitat or do geology tasks. And we get them to subjectively rate how that feels with a high center of gravity, a low center of gravity. Ah, so the CG, the CG rig center of gravity right, rig. Exactly. Okay, perfect. So we actually have nine different combinations that we're using on Nemo. We have three different weights and three different locations for the center of gravity. And so we mix and match all three at each level um, to try to get the best combination of weight and center of gravity locations that optimizes crew performance. One of the things we're doing on this mission, which is pretty cool, is that we are practicing what we call incapacitated crew member op opportunities and objectives. And if, if you're out on an EVA, if both of you meet, are doing a spacewalk, and we go out and, and maybe I fall over and hurt my leg and I need to be pulled into a rover or back into a, a space vehicle, how would, how would that look and would we be able to do it? Would you be able to pull me back in? Well, I could do it because you'd be lighter in, in, in a, another environment. That is, that, is, that is true, but imagine if you were five kilometers away and you had to bring somebody all the way back and then lift them onto a 30-foot high lander. And so how do you do that? So we have things like rock climbing gear kind of rigged up and we use davit cranes to lift the crew member up onto the lander deck and then bring them into the airlock. The other thing that's really interesting is we're evaluating mission control and their role in exploration missions as a function of communication time delay. So we're starting this mission with real-time comm and we're having daily planning conferences and as we progress we're going to go to Mars comm where you can never talk directly to the crew. 
and, and, and we're, we're keeping all kinds of metrics on the performance and so forth with the real-time comm, and then we're going to go to this Mars comm mode where things are very different, where you're doing video taping of questions and answers and then sending that to the crew and then they do the same and sending it back to you. Well, that's what seems so natural to me for something like this because you can, it, it's a, I don't know, like a real tactile way of feeling that separation. Right. It's a real visceral way, rather. It, it really is. So. And, and I can't overemphasize, you know, you can study this stuff, you can do paper studies, you can talk about it. When you really do it and you really experience it, you learn a thousand things that you never thought that you were going to learn. So truth is stranger than <laughs> fiction. Well, it seemed like that they had a huge support team down there at, um, at Q Argo. Yeah, actually, it was great because there were I mean, there were teams, there were tons of people covering all different phases of the test. Uh, as you saw, the CG rig, which is very kind of kind of interesting, and what they were doing uh, was really just uh, uh, weighting the astronauts differently during activities to find out what would work better under different conditions. It's impressive. Now, what kind of support team do they have down there that's comparable to the Desert Rats that we saw in Arizona? I mean, they, did they have an IT team? Did they have you know dive team? They they had the engineers, scientists, and was it a pretty much a, a, an eclectic group like, like a Desert Rats? Yeah, actually, it, it's the best way to look at it. It's like the Desert Rats team, you know, covered all the same elements plus diving support. So some of the same people who are out at, at Black Point Lava Flow were there mm -hmm. at Key Largo. Absolutely, but you don't want to minimize the diving support because it was not simply just divers that were going uh, down. Uh, there were the two NOAA divers on on the Aquarius. There were divers that would go down and just monitor, uh, you know, your buddy systems when you dive. You have to have to have to have a buddy, uh, and then guys that. Uh, <laughs> what, what you? I, I just envision him in you know in the in the field talking like he did at the beginning of this clip to all the engineers <laughs> out there. Hey, how you doing? Hey. You know, helium has that effect on me. What can I say? But you didn't have helium, though. Just to, no, to no, clarify, no, safety no. For, first. first. Yes. Let, let's take another break. Okay. And Franklin, uh, I got word from, uh, from a Nemo team member down there that there was a push-up challenge between Blair and somebody. So let's go to break. When we come back, we'll see some of that video and see how you did. If that video is allowed to be seen. You're so watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. I, I thought I, I had that under. Well, we do want to have our push-up competition. And, uh, Absolutely. We'll schedule this up and, uh, you know, uh, I'll show you what real push-ups are like. Really? And everything. Yeah. How about now? Like, right right now? Right or? now. You got time? Because I, I, I can do a lot of push-ups. Really? Yeah. Well, let me just dust off a few things here, and let's do it. Now. Yeah, right now. It's All go right. time. Come on. All right. Let's see what you got. All right. Here we go. Let's go. Let's do this. Have you started? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like 999. All right, here we go. Uh, yeah. uh, one. Can we take a nap? I feel is, really, that, is that all you this got? Is, this is nice right here. What you got? Five. Come on, come on. Get up there. Hang on. Don't get schooled by a girl. Okay. All right, here we go. Well, how many? What are you doing? Ten? Oh. Switching to one arm. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, me too. I'm switching to one arm. <laughs> yeah, much better. You know, I think Heather. Franklin. Franklin. Uh, no, see, Heather was using helium. Help me out here. She was using helium. Uh, she, she was using muscle. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, hmm. when she 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 dusted off her guns yeah. and you couldn't come back. 
I have told her that I will, uh, we will meet again. Heather, you're hearing me first here at D-Rats. I will bury you. Is this a double or nothing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, in your future, Mm -hmm. you better start working out. Well, I may not have much of a future here at NASA Edge at this point, but but Nemo certainly has a future. Uh, was Nemo fourteen this year? Yes, they've had fourteen missions so far, but they're, they they do have it's it's like great movie sequels. They're continually adding and building on these uh, analog tests. So we'll let them do the talking, but there's some really cool ideas that they plan on. Let's check it out. It seems to me, I mean, every diver I've talked to out here talks about how cool it is. I mean, they love diving to begin with, but when you're working around these these vehicles and, and sort of props, if you will, it's hard not to get really excited and think about the possibility of the future. Absolutely. You just see it on the seafloor. You see these mock-ups, and you see the way that the astronauts interface with them, and you can visualize what it's going to be like to be working on Mars or an asteroid or another planet. You know, it really is a very visual thing going on. And kids get it. People get it. They see it and they go, I understand why you would do it in that environment. And next year, uh, we're going to focus even more on the asteroid-type mission. This year, I I think, as I mentioned, the latter part of the mission, we're going to prototype techniques. We have a jetpack, for example. Interesting. Um, I'll show you some great video. Oh, we prototyped this uh, in the fall, but you know, you're flying this jetpack around, which maybe isn't the right way to do a, a, an asteroid in the sense that you've got to carry a lot of gas, a lot of delta mm-hmm. V on, and that jetpack can get so big. But but certainly it would have a role as a contingency, like a souped-up safer, like sure. and so forth. But we're going to be evaluating techniques of how you would anchor yourself into either rock or l- loose rubble. But now, if we cord that or anchor that into an asteroid, how do you get stuff off? On the moon or Mars, you've got gravity helping yep. you. Here, we're going to need you know, transfer lines that pull yeah. you off and things like that. So we're going to explore that whole workspace as a function of gravity level. So this year is lunar Mars. Next year, we'll focus a little bit more on the microgravity environment of an asteroid. We're really busy with what we're doing, but we're all extremely proud of what we're doing. This is, this is a new human experience and we are in the middle of it. And there's always the hubbub of noise of day-to-day combat back and forth of how things are gonna happen in the future. But the reality of it is, we have people living on the space station, we have people training all around the world ready to launch on the Soyuz to go live on the space station, and thousands and thousands of people are working together, building the new vehicles that would take us even further. And we're right in the thick of that and extremely happy and proud of it. Thanks for talking with us. I'd like to have an underwater jetpack. Who wouldn't want to have an underwater jetpack? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think Chris Hadfield just kind of summed it up beautifully about we're all in this together. No matter what the goal is down the road, we have a great staff here working together as a team. Yeah, and they're, and they're constantly thinking, okay, here's Nemo 14. What's Nemo 15? What's Nemo 16? Innovative group. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that wraps up a, a jam-packed show. And I think we still had more interviews that we could have try to squeeze in but of course you know we just didn't have the time yeah i mean even brandon our intern he was out in hawaii for med school and uh for an interview and i well he didn't actually make it to uh, an analog field test because uh, i gave him bogus directions but that that's neither here nor there uh, <laughs> but you can see the extra clips uh from our uh, facebook fan page so check it out and uh you're watching nasa edge an inside and outside look at all things nasa and i have issues with joe cosmo well barbara another successful year at desert rats yep But don't you think we ought to tell Blair we're not going to rescue him this year? Rescue him? 
we didn't say we weren't going to rescue him, but we didn't tell him we're going to rescue him this year. Let's do it next year. Okay.